You're listening to the Packernet Podcast Network. I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you're here as in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is not as simple as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened up so many more doors. The show is called The The Deal. Deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome once again to the Packernet Podcast. I am your host and resident fanalist, as always, Ryan Schlipp. Check us out online, packernet.com. Find me on Twitter, pack underscore daddy. So today, what I would like to do, uh, I want to start the process of looking at our competition, uh, kind of post-draft. Now, since the Bears have done basically nothing uh, in this entire offseason, I want to pepper in a couple questions and comments before we get to the Bears and then look at the Bears and then uh, we'll call it a Friday. So as always, be sure to check the links in the description. If you would like to help me out, best way to do that is to leave an iTunes rating and review. Again, make sure it is the black logoed Packernet podcast, Green Bay Packers, and then underneath it it says Overtime Media. We only need 28 more reviews and I'll be giving away a PFF subscription. So for those of you waiting on that, Hit up your friends and family. Let's let's wrap this thing up. Also, there is uh, Venmo, PayPal, and Patreon. A special thank you to David for jumping in on Patreon. Really appreciate all the support there. Uh, as I said, I, I have not touched a dime in Patreon yet. That money is specifically for um, football-related things. I'm not just going to say the podcast because it might somewhat be used for uh, NFL Big Board. I haven't figured out exactly what it's going to go toward, but... Um, just so you know, that money is going to be pumped back into making sure that everything I'm doing just makes your football and Packer fandom experience all the much better. Yeah, all the much. Say it. It feels good. Just try it. You know, maybe, maybe try it before you judge somebody. How about that? So judgy. Also, if you're planning on getting your own PFF subscription, be sure to use the uh, link in the description. I should probably verify that it still works. They haven't emailed me in a while, but try it out. We'll see what happens. They're bugging me like once a month, like, hey, man, make sure you use this link. It's like, okay. And, and then I and then I did it. Um, if you'd like to help yourself out, be sure to check out some of the merch. Um, again, this isn't just like Teespring where I've got like a couple logos and you buy it and I give you a thumbs up. I've got Courtney in the Packernet Facebook group who is putting in some serious work. She designed the T-shirts. She's got the most comfortable T-shirts in the entire world. And I know because I am the pickiest person in the universe when it comes to clothes. I will, I, ref, I won't buy new clothes. I don't know if I mentioned that. I, I, I can't. And if I do, and somebody buys me some new clothes, like, hey, here's a shirt. I'm gonna wash it 90 times before I wear it because I hate starchy, cardboardy feeling shirts. I'm not doing it. I would pay extra for Goodwill shirts because they're they're soft, but you know they're cheap. So, I mean, why would I never do that? But these are incredibly soft, super high quality. And, as I mentioned, get in the Facebook group if there's any little tweaks you want. Like I said, somebody hit uh, hit me up and was like, hey, man, you should have some, uh, you should get some tank tops in there. And Courtney jumped right on there. She was like, yeah, sure, we can do tank tops. Just the low. I mean, whatever you want to do. She makes t-shirts. So, just be like, hey, do this, and then she'll do that. So, pretty excited to have her on board. 
Speaking of, be sure to get in the Facebook group and make sure you check out NFLBigBoard.com. I've already begun the process of watching some of the prospects. I'm starting with Edge Rusher because it's just, you know, I'm a Packer fan, so I feel a little more comfortable watching Edge Rusher as opposed to just about any other position. Maybe running back. I really like watching running backs. Maybe inside linebacker. That's about it, though. Everything else is kind of tough. Those are kind of my, that's my that's my comfort zone. But anyways, we'll take a little break and uh, we'll get shatted. In the hobby, it's not easy being a fan of ripping packs or repacks. We get all hyped up thinking we're going to get some high-value Jordan Love card, but with zero transparency on available cards and hit rates, it's all just a shot in the dark. Until now, introducing Slab Packs from ArenaClub.com, the only repack that provides real value, a complete view on all possible cards, and clear hit rates for each one. Now when I buy Slab Packs on Arena Club, it finally feels like I know what I'm getting. And honestly, the best thing for me and my son is the fact that we're kind of novices into this. When I walk into a card shop with my son, and a card says it costs $40, kind of just taking his word for it that that's a good value. So I appreciate the transparency on grading, as well as just getting excited about seeing what you could potentially get. Right now, you can get 10% off your first purchase by going to arenaclub.com slash packdaddy. Wow, that's crazy offer. 10% off a $400 slab pack. That's 40 bucks right there. Anyways, that's arenaclub.com slash packdaddy for 10% off your first purchase. So I want to start with uh, Chris from Chicago. Chris is not happy with the draft class, and I've, I, I, to be honest, I can't, and I don't know that I really want to change your mind on the draft class. Number one, because I don't know. I, I, I have faith in a couple prospects. I have no expectations with a few others. But I, I guess I'll just kind of comment on my thoughts on why maybe I disagree. But I, I don't have a problem with anybody that's upset or happy or excited with any of these prospects. Because, again, we don't know, and having an opinion is kind of a good thing. I, I'm, I'm kind of weird that way. I don't mind Packer fans having different opinions. As long as you're not a jerk about it. And Chris isn't being a jerk, so, I'm you know, we're good. But he kind of goes line by line, so we'll, we'll take it piece by piece here, and I'll just kind of give my thoughts in reaction to what, what is being said. So he says, to start, we took such a huge risk with Gary at 12 when we didn't have to. More proven players like Wilkins or Burns are available. Can you imagine the front with Wilkins, Clark, and Daniels and those new big edges? And the fact that we'll probably lose Daniels next year, or Burns' speed coming in on passing downs when Zadarius moves inside. So I think you kind of answered one of my objections to your objection within your objection so i i'm, I'm with you i would say ah, see that's tough because all between wilkins burns and gary they all bring three different things wilkins is an inside guy burns is an outside guy and gary's a hybrid so it's kind of funny because you see the benefit of wilkins because you know then we've got three what we what we got is a dance party folks i hope you're up and moving all right you got to be quick with the dance parties i, I can't i don't have time to mess around so you know, get up, get wild and crazy, and then sit down and listen, because I got, you know, I, we, we got to get through this. So there's there's definitely a benefit with Wilkins, Clark, and Daniels, and yes, that gets me super excited, but I think that leaves us a little light on the outside, because I'm not entirely sure how confident I, I am with Preston and Zadarius, especially since Zadarius is going to be playing inside. Not not exclusively, and I don't know to what a percentage, but he is going to be coming inside, which leaves us with Preston who is, I mean, look, he's not an elite pass rusher. He's just not. Zadarius isn't either. Preston is a good, solid, well-rounded football player. So we've got Preston, who is sort of a Nick Perry upgrade, which isn't really saying a lot. I don't know if you guys noticed, but I haven't heard Nick Perry's name once since he left Green Bay. Not a visit, not nothing. 
but it would be Preston Smith and Kyler Fackrell. That's not fantastic. So getting a pass rusher, I think, does make sense. And it seems like you agree because you talk about Burns um, coming in on passing downs when Zedarius moves inside. So I agree. And the objection seemingly to Burns because we need another defensive tackle, especially after we presumably move on from uh, Mike Daniels at some point, also makes sense, which is kind of why I also kind of like Gary. Because between Zadarius and Gary, we, we're going to have a rotation that consistently means we're going to have a front five that is bringing pressure all the time. And you can add Kyler Fackrell into that because it gives us the opportunity to only use him in situations in which his potential and, and what he does best is maximized. I don't want to completely throw the, the guy who got whatever it was, 12 sacks last year, under the bus as though he's a piece of garbage because he just tore it up last year. But he's very limited. But I do get what you're saying because I think with Wilkins and Burns, it's a little more defined. I don't think Rashawn Gary is going to be an in, in, in interior defensive tackle to the degree that Christian Wilkins is. And I don't think Gary is going to be as good of a, a pure pass rusher as Burns off the edge. I'm not going to say he's not going to be as good of an edge rusher because those are two different, I shouldn't say edge as a, I guess, outside linebacker. I don't know the best way to say it. In other words, overall. But I don't really know that either. Because again, as, as I've mentioned, as much as he didn't really put a whole lot on tape, the, the speed, power, athleticism, all that stuff wrapped up in Gary blows Brian Burns out of the way. I shouldn't say that. All, all three guys are pretty athletic freaks, but I think Rashawn Gary kind of stands alone in that jaw-dropping, a human being that size should not move that speed kind of category. So I understand the objections, and I would not be surprised if Christian Wilkins is a better football player than Rashawn Gary. I wouldn't be surprised if Brian Burns ends up having a better year than Rashawn Gary. But I also wouldn't be surprised if Rashawn Gary is a um, is a better football player, but, but I also think a better scheme fit, which I would have to defer to uh, Mike Pettin, Brian Gutekunst, and that to, to figure that out. I also think it's a little telling that Brian Burns fell. And not only did he fall a little bit, but I kind of saw that coming. So in other words, I don't think this was just a fluke where it was just happenstance. Like, he's definitely a top 10 player. It just didn't really work out, right? I, I mocked him later in the draft because if you look at the teams that were looking at him, no top 10 teams were really looking at him. It was all mid-round teams that were checking him out. I mocked him to Carolina in my mock draft. Because even when you listen to Brian Burns talk, and it was funny because all these guys who were on that interview that I referenced, they all kind of mentioned kind of the area they were going. But I always, I, I kind of assumed they would kind of talk themselves up a little bit. Like, oh, I, I, I think I'll be a top 10 guy. No, he, he talked about, you know, some of the mid-round teams. He talked about really liking Carolina and thinking that would be a great fit for him. And I just thought, why would you even say that? Because you want to be hyping yourself up. as A, a lot of people think you're a top 10 guy. Hype yourself up. But it was like he kind of knew. Which sort of brings me to another thought, because I like Brian. I, I've been big on Brian Burns, but he's my type. I like that type of pass rusher. I like the speed bend guys. I like the sack guys. But the NFL seems to be moving away from that. So when I started looking at the 2019 class, I'm just looking at it through a different lens. If you look at the guys that went, Nick Bosa, he's not that kind of a guy. Cleland Furl is not that kind of a guy. Josh Allen is... But he was also the most productive pass rusher in college and fell to 7th behind Cleveland Furl and Nick Bosa. So in other words, of that type, he is one of the best to come out in a very long time. And it, it's I'm trying to break him down into different types because there's even like subcategories. Like Nick Bosa is different than Cleveland Furl, is different than Josh Allen, who I think is different than uh, like Miles Garrett. I think these are different types of pass rushers. But anyways, 
the Josh Allen types are kind of, they were always my guys, and you just don't see them get taken super high anymore. Then you got Rashawn Gary, which is a different type of guy. Then you got Brian Burns, who fell, who is a speed bend guy. Again, as far as pass rushers go, if you listen to just about any of the national guys, the best pass rushers, which you would think is the most important thing, who cares about anything else, are Brian Burns, Josh Allen, and Nick Bosa. Well, Nick Bosa's the, the, the big power end, he goes number two overall. The guy who was the best pass rusher in college, Josh Allen, goes number seven overall. And the guy that a lot of people had as the true best pass rusher, even better than Josh Allen, Brian Burns, goes 16th to Carolina. The other thing I think is really weird is which teams are taking which. Because the only teams that seem to be taking these these speed bend kind of guys are 4-3 teams. Jacksonville's 4-3, they take Josh Allen. Carolina's 4-3, they take Brian Burns. San Francisco is 4-3. They took D. They were the ones that went in on D. Ford. They also got Nick Bosa, but it's just it's weird. And then the Packers, who are presumably a 3-4 team, went out and got uh, Rashawn Gary, who's a 4-3 guy. So I, it's very strange. But even going, you know, you go back to last year, Bradley Chubb, big dude. Marcus Davenport, kind of a big dude. Before that, Miles Garrett. Now, I'm not going to say he's not a speed bend guy because he is. He's, he's one of those kinds of guys that's a freak because he's both. Right, that's that's sort of what, you know, looking at 2020, I, keep, I think I've been saying 2019, 2020 draft, uh, that guy Gross Matos, he's kind of that Miles Garrett mold where you feel like he could maybe be both and just a freak, although he's just not very good right now in my opinion. Solomon Thomas, big dude. Derek Barnett, wasn't super high on him. And I don't think, I don't, he's not big in terms of weight, but he's he's big in terms of his play style. He was I don't remember him being a, a big speed bend guy. That's why I just... When they took him, I was like, why? Why does everybody like Derek Barnett? Uh, Jonathan Allen with the Washington Redskins as a defensive end, like 300 pounds. Takaris McKinley, he went uh, 26th in 2017. He was one of the guys that I liked. He was one of the guys that I thought the Packers should take. Kind of got that speed bendy kind of thing. He's not a good football player right now. Now, granted, several of these people I've listed are not good football players, but I'm just going through the list looking at the guys that I liked. And I'm just not seeing a lot that really panned out. I'm also not seeing a lot that went super early. You know, Bud Dupree was a guy that I really, really liked. Shane Ray, smaller, speedy guy. These guys can't even find a job right now. At least Shane Ray can't. In 2015, my two favorite guys, Dante Fowler and Vic Beasley. Neither of them are doing that great. Now, the interesting thing is with a lot of these guys, some of them are pretty good pass rushers. In other words, if you go to Pro Football Focus and look at their just their pass rush grade, they're pretty solid. And this is probably something that's going to be an issue because you could see a situation or I could see a situation where Brian Burns ends up having a really good pass rush grade, but overall is just not a great football player. You know, similar to D Ford, who it took him three years and I D Ford is another guy. Speed Ben guy, three terrible years in the league, and then his fourth year, I think it was, he blows up as a pass rusher. Everything else that he does though is not super great. But it's funny, if you look at the the best, if I order the edge rushers, it's uh Calais Campbell is number one super freak edge rusher. He's 300 pounds. J.J. Watt's a big dude. Trey Flowers not super big, but he, he he's kind of a, a, you know, that's sort of his style. Uh, Khalil Mack, big monstrous guy. Von Miller is probably the epitome of the smaller speedy guys. That's just absolutely tearing it up. He got drafted in 2011. Uh, next on the list, Cam Jordan, 6'4", 287. You know, Demarcus Lawrence, Jadavian Clowney, Jerry Hughes. I mean, these are pretty big dudes. If you order it based on pass rush, you get D. Ford, Jerry Hughes, Von Miller, J.J. Watt, Justin Houston, Miles Garrett, 
So some some big guys mixed in, but a lot of these guys are kind of bendy. Like I said, Miles Garrett is big, but he's also really bendy. But if you look at it, D Ford, not a good run defender, not a great tackler, terrible in coverage. Jerry Hughes, terrible in coverage, real bad tackler, not great against the run. Von Miller, solid at everything, obviously. J.J. Watt, pretty good against the run, great pass rusher. Tackling grade was terrible, coverage not good. Justin Houston, terrible run defense, terrible tackling, not good coverage. So I, you know, and then I get my Dante Fowler guy who I think is like in the 100s overall, but is like a top 10 pass rusher. Abysmal run defender, terrible tackler, not great in coverage. So I, I, I guess I just think there's there's different types, and it depends what you're kind of looking for. And I think the Packers are looking for good, well-rounded football players, not just guys who are elite pass rushers that can't really do anything else. I mean, we i got to stop saying his name. I just don't know anybody else to really highlight here. Kyler Fackrell, despite having a great year last year, everybody still kind of laughs about it, mostly because they think it's a fluke. But, I mean, he you know, we know he can't play against the run at all. He's not going to set an edge. He's actually decent in coverage, but... I, I guess that's just sort of the difference, and it, it's kind of a type thing. And I don't think the Packers were looking for that type, despite the fact that I, I refused to pick up on the fact that the Packers weren't looking for that type, despite them going out and getting a different type, right? They didn't get Justin Houston. They didn't get D4. It's another one. Justin Houston went to a 4-3 team. He went to the Colts. I'm so confused. But they went out and got Zadarius and Preston, the big 270-pound guys. Right, even Adrian Amos, like you know, he's solid football player. Is he Earl Thomas? No, but he's young. He's good in coverage. He's good against the run. He's a good tackler. He's a solid, well-rounded football player. And I think what you get with Gary is you get that kind of a player, but with freakish upside. Take Sedarius Smith, but just imagine him being potentially a a top ten, top five overall edge rusher. Not saying he's going to be that. But you're taking a type, you're adding depth to a position, and you're taking a type that you want, but you're 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 adding more upside. Right? Preston and Zadarius were later round guys. I don't think physically they have quite as much upside. They're very cerebral, very, you know, technician type players who have learned a craft and have gotten very good at it. I think Rashawn Gary is the opposite. He 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 doesn't play the position well enough yet. He needs to be coached up, but his potential is just through the roof. So positionally it makes sense to me. Uh, taking an, an edge rusher makes sense. A guy that is an edge rusher slash inside guy makes a lot of sense. And then again, we're talking about a type. Is he as good as, again, is he as good as an interior guy as Christian Wilkins is going to be? No. If you just wanted a defensive tackle, you better take Christian Wilkins. If you wanted a pure pass rusher, you're probably going to take Brian Burns. I would guess. I don't really know. But the Packers are going in a different direction. And it's not the direction I would go because, again, that's not my type. But it's not just the Packers, it's the NFL as a whole. They're going after, and that's why over the years I'm starting to tweak my, you know, when I'm watching a guy saying, yes, this guy's a solid guy who's going to go early, I'm looking for that certain kind of type, right? And that's, again, the edge rushers that are, are you know, A.J. Epinesa, go watch that guy. The only thing I could think of was Calais Campbell. Calais Campbell, whatever. I hate saying his name, mostly because I can't say it correctly, but I just, you know, Calais Campbell, big lumbering monster but he just throws people out of his way and can make stuff happen so that's sort of the objection to your objection again no problem whatsoever with everything you said i wouldn't again i wouldn't be surprised if wilkins and burns are better i guess i'm just saying i i'm looking at it through the prism of why did they do what they did and deferring to them that that was the best option and then more or less just highlighting the upside i i see the downside 
But I also see the downside with Wilkins, and I see the downside with Burns. And uh, we'll see what happens. Overall, I guess I'm excited. Uh, second objection. Then we give up two valuable picks in the fourth to take a safety when safeties didn't really start going until the mid to late second round. So you're not done talking there, but I'm going to stop there because that doesn't really matter. You know, teams aren't taking positions at a certain point. They're taking players. The Packers felt Darnell Savage, the player, was going to be taken, so they had to go up and get him. I hate that we gave up two fourth-round picks, and Brian Gutekunst said he hated it. He was not happy to have to give up two fourth-round picks, but they did it, which should tell every one of us exactly what they think. And again, I, I see it 100%. I, I like him more than I like Gary. I, I think his upside can even be higher than Gary's, which is ridiculous to say. Because I think Rashawn Gary, if he meets his full potential, still is... I, I, I Again, if we're just looking through the prism of sacks, I don't know how great he's going to be. I just I see him playing a role that is beyond just pass rusher. So yes, other safeties started going later. It's possible Savage fell. The Packers felt confident as rumors started coming in that Savage could be the first one off the board. He was getting first-round hype. The Packers really, really liked him, and they felt that they weren't alone in that. And if you look at Darnell Savage and the way he plays and his upside, which I had not done very much prior to the Packers taking him, it's not hard to see why somebody would have taken him. And the fact that they moved up to get him, the fact that they did give up the two fourth-round picks, um, it kind of tells me what it is that uh, that they're thinking. And, that, that, you know, I, I hate saying things like Earl Thomas, and, and pretty much everybody around the NFL also doesn't like saying it, but the fact that the head coach kind of went out and, and dropped that name when describing Darnell Savage, it, it kind of gives you an idea of exactly where their head is at. They see that kind of upside and potential, that kind of a player in him. So, it, again, it really just comes down to what do you think. And, and you, the way that you describe this, it seems as though you're kind of lumping him in as a safety, right? Whether we got him, Chauncey Gardner-Johnson, uh, Nasir Adderley, whoever, it would have been much better if we just waited at 44 and got another safety. We'll see if that's true, but I can tell you if he does meet his full potential, which, you know, it might not happen in year one, whatever, we'll see what happens nobody's going to be saying, well, we could have just waited and got, uh, you know, Taylor Rapp at 44. Uh, you went on to elaborate, we could have taken a number of offensive tackles at 30, which is a position we're extremely thin at, come back at 44 for a safety. There were there was a group of six to eight that were really closely rated with two additional cracks in the fourth for solid depth at outside linebacker, inside linebacker, or even wide receiver. Love the Sternberger and Williams picks. Uh, great work, thanks. So, I mean, I, I get it, and I can't really dive into all that because we'd have to go through every single pick, and, well, we could have done this, we could have done that, and that changes kind of everything. It's kind of like, you know, a penalty in the first quarter that somebody argues, if that wouldn't happen, we would have won because that negated that field goal, and then we would have had three more points, and we would have had, you know, we only lost by two, therefore we would have won. That's not how it works because it's the whole butterfly effect thing. You kick the field goal, first of all, you have to make it. Second of all, if you make it, then it changes everything. It changes the way the other team plays, which changes the way you play, the urgency, the tempo, the this, the that. No way of knowing anything. But overall, the, the general objection is just, it's very positional, is, is the tone that, or the sort of the feeling I'm getting from you. But I, I guess my, my thought process is it's not so much the position as it is the player. There was a number of offensive tackles. Yes. Were any of them really worth taking at 30? And were they better than taking Elton Jenkins at 44? I mean, it, 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 and, and, and this is the, the interesting thing is, and, and this is actually something that I want to do. I mentioned it. And I think it would be a lot of fun. I'll try to figure out exactly the format. It'll probably just be a, a Google document, you know, Google Sheets document. 
But I'd like to have fans go back and uh, do kind of, kind of a redraft, and as all, and also do sort of a uh, be a little bit more complicated, but do free agency over. Whether you have an objection or whether you think it was a great draft, just kind of go back and look at it and say, this is who I would have drafted in this in this spot. So think it over, work on that, and I want to start putting that together because it'd be fun during the regular season to really see who does the best. And you can make it, this is what I think they should have done, or this is what I stupidly would have done. However you want to phrase it or do it, I don't really care. Just just work on it and think it over. I'm going to work on it as well. And also, if you want to do that, um, you have two options. You can pick where the Packers picked, or you can not have them pick there. Keep pick 30 and then keep the two fourth-round picks. I don't want to do any other trades, though, because then I can't put it on a sheet. It's going to be way too convoluted. So just make the picks where they're at, and we'll start putting that together, and we'll, we'll keep track of that over time. And I promise it's not going to be to come back and say, ha ha, look, you bunch of dummies. You thought you were so smart. And I, it's just it's just for fun, man. All this is for fun. And again, I don't mind people having opinions that differ from mine or differ from the Green Bay Packers. Nobody knows. As long as we acknowledge, you and I both acknowledge that nobody knows, we can have a little bit of fun just messing around. But anyways, uh, to, to kind of wrap it up for Chris's comment, I guess, I neither agree or disagree. I, I Those are sort of my thoughts on 12 and uh, and Savage. Beyond that, it's really just hard to comment. You know, there's a whole lot of coulda, woulda, shoulda. And again, Chris specifically, I I would encourage you to go back and kind of do that. It'll give a little bit of a better picture. And and maybe, I don't know if you've done it yet or not, maybe it'll kind of change your mind after you go through it and look and say, yeah, I don't know, there isn't quite as good a thing here. And and try to keep in the back of your mind specifically the player and not just the position. You know, it's cool that you get a a player at 44 that's a safety, but is he going to be anywhere near as good as Darnell Savage? And then if you do that, we're not getting Elton Jenkins, who the Packers believe is a first-round talent, meaning we're not going to get a guard, meaning you're probably going to have to satisfy that in the later one of your fourth-round picks, which, I mean, what are the odds? I mean, again, if we were going to put this on paper, do you trust, as a team that needs guards pretty desperately, do you trust that we're going to satisfy that in the fourth round? And also the guy that we're drafting at 30... Is he actually going to be the right tackle of the future, which is what we need? And bear in mind, I know the Packers probably aren't thinking this way, but bear in mind, next year, very offensive-heavy draft. Lots of tackles, lots of wide receivers, which we didn't satisfy. Uh, lot, lots of offense in general. You know, running backs, if we decide to go that route, for whatever reason. But anyways, that'll be a fun little thing to do. I want to take our second break here, and then I'll get into uh, another comment I got, and then we'll talk uh, very briefly about the Bears. We all have smartphones, and we all know they're pretty amazing, but they also can be amazingly distracting, especially when we're around other people. So U.S. Cellular wants us to reset our relationship with our phones by putting down our phones for five. That's right, a company that sells phones wants us to put down our phones. And to see what we find, learn more at uscellular.com forward slash built for us. So I got a very, very long message from Eric, uh, Eric from Toledo, which is the only way he sends messages. And I got to be honest, Eric, I'm only going to get to a little bit of this. Um, you know, very long rant about how Tom Brady's not as good as Rodgers. Uh, I agree. No issue there. Uh, the other thing you pointed out is the overall theme of it is that trying to fix something is not actually fixing it, which I think is, is relatively self-explanatory, but I think I get what you're trying to say. And I've, I've kind of talked about that in the past, right? When I talked about cornerbacks, you know, it's one thing to say, yeah, well, we've drafted a lot of guys already. That doesn't matter, man. You you have to look at the team that you have and assess it and, and draft based on on the board that's in front of you and the team's needs. Now, it's a little bit different at corner because it depends on the potential that you see, right? Same thing with wide receiver. It always was annoying to hear people say, 
well, you know, they drafted three wide receivers last year. I, it, the only reason it's annoying is it, it depends how you mean that. If what you're saying is they drafted three last year, so we kind of need to wait and see what happens. We don't want to invest more until we can definitively say they're no good. I can buy into that. If you're saying they drafted three, therefore you can't draft more just as a rule because you already satisfied that need, that's not how that works. These are late round guys that we got, or, you know, mid, mid to late. And the, the point is, do we have what we need? And if not, we have to go satisfy that need. So it, it seems to me, and I, I, I believe them when they say it, I, I do my best to try to read between the lines, but I, I get the distinct impression the Packers legitimately do like the wide receivers they have. Not that they think that they have an elite group, but they're satisfied with the, the quality and depth as far as being able to make the offense work with that. But uh, third little midpoint in the midst of a bunch of other little micro points, Rodgers plus elite defense equals Lombardi trophy. And I, I think that that's really the big thing I'm trying to latch on to right now, as much as I want to look at, man, we need a guard and we need a wide receiver. And I hope we get a tight end that pans out. Again, I, I did this uh, several months ago, but when you actually break down the teams that are that are super dominant, they have holes. Every team has holes. The Chiefs don't even have an, uh, they, they, they're missing an entire defense. They don't have linebackers. They've got, you know, they, they, they've got needs at defensive tackle. You know, they, they had two really good edge rushers as far as pass rush goes, but the guys were not good against the run. They were not great in coverage. You know, their corners, depending on who we're talking about, you know, they, they've got a good corner. They don't have a bunch of good corners. You know, safeties they need help at. I mean, their offense had some elite pieces, but it wasn't perfect. But yet everybody acknowledges, oh, this is a team that's just going to march to the Super Bowl every year as long as they have their quarterback. Well, the Packers have Aaron Rodgers. The Packers have Devontae Adams. The Packers have the best left tackle in football. The Packers, Packers still have a good right tackle, a very good center, right? I mean, they, they have a lot to work with. But as as was pointed out here by Eric, and as I've said, trying to say more often, the two most important things seemingly, historically, have been when we're looking at solid playoff football and championship football, Super Bowl champion football, it's good quarterback, good defense. The last two times the Packers won a Super Bowl, probably basically every time the Packers have won a Super Bowl, actually, it's been with a good quarterback and a good defense. That's not the formula every single time. It can be either or, but it's definitely at least one. Nobody, nobody wins a Super Bowl with a good trio of wide receivers or a great offensive line and good linebackers. Like There's there's no formula that exists that looks that way. The best thing you can have is a good quarterback and a good defense, right? Um, Patriots obviously fit that mold. I'm not going to disparage their quarterback. He does a lot of really great things. I don't think his arm talent is the... I, I shouldn't even say that. He's a very accurate thrower of the football. But it obviously cerebrally and all that stuff, on top of um, on top of that great defense that they have every year, is how they won. Last year, Philadelphia won. Good enough quarterback play, great defense. The year before that, New England, same story. The year before that, Denver. You know, the, the quarterback play for Denver wasn't super elite, but again, a very cerebral quarterback. So uh, basically a lacking, I mean, you want to talk about holes. They got some holes. They got a quarterback that could barely move his feet. And his arm, he couldn't throw the ball beyond like 20 yards anymore. I mean, he could, but it just, it didn't look pretty. But that defense was elite. The year before that, again, New England. The year before that, Seattle, good quarterback, great defense. The year before that, Baltimore, good enough quarterback, great defense. The year before that, the Giants, good enough quarterback and a defense that kind of turned a corner there. The year before that, the Packers won. What happened that year? Great quarterback and a defense that just really blew up. 
I, I kind of went through that season. If you, if you haven't heard that podcast, maybe try to go find it. It was a lot of fun to do that. I went back and actually like read articles throughout the year to kind of get a feel for what it felt like at each certain point in the season. Like, what did it feel like in the preseason? What was everybody talking about the Packers? And kind of went through that whole thing. That was a lot of fun. But the, the bottom line is the defense was sort of carrying the team for quite a while. Right, The year before that, New Orleans Saints, obviously Drew Brees. I don't remember what their defense was like, but great quarterback. The Steelers, you know, great defense, good quarterback. So it's 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 a consistent theme. You you don't see any any time you can look at it and say, ah, see, they don't have a good quarterback. They had a great defense like Baltimore. Anytime you've got a questionable defense, you've got a good quarterback. That's just the formula. We know we have the quarterback, so what are we doing? How badly do we want a wide receiver as opposed to getting that defense? Because what's this all about? It's about winning a Super Bowl. And it's great if, if we can stack wide receivers and, you know, we go out and get Noah Fant. We get, you know, I don't know, Nikhil Harry. And then we get another running back. And we, we just get this crazy offense. And we get rocking and rolling, man. We've, we play, how long have we played that game? I think everybody, Ted Thompson included, understood the importance of That's why we went defense, defense. And it's getting tiring. But you got to fix it. And I think that's sort of Eric from Toledo's point. It's It's frustrating. That we go defense and defense and defense. And, I, and it, it is a problem because if you don't actually fix the defense, the offense begins to erode. And you have to address the offense at a point. You get to a breaking point where your offense just doesn't work anymore. And that does scare me to some degree. Hopefully next year we can, we can focus a little bit more on offense to kind of at least bring that back up to par before it completely falls apart. Obviously, Aaron Rodgers brings us up beyond par, but I'm talking about remove Aaron Rodgers and look at each individual. Pe- you know, the, the offensive line, if it's just Lindsley and, and Bakhtiari with three other garbage players, if it's Devontae and three terrible wide receivers, if it's an injured Aaron Jones and two other just guys that are not very good, not a great situation. But the, everybody knows the formula. And, and defense arguably is more important than the quarterback when it comes to winning the Super Bowl. If we don't fix it, we're just playing good regular season football. We're scoring a lot of points. We're feeling excited. We, we, we play this game where we talk, man, the Packers can beat anybody. And it's true, but you get into the postseason when things start to wear down, when it becomes about playing good, tight, solid football, and that's what the Packers can't do. They're too volatile. They're up and down, right? We, we score 40 points, and we need a defense that can keep the other team from scoring 40 points. That's not playoff football, man. Playoff football is 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 getting teams to struggle to move the ball down the field. It's it's coming up with the defense has to be able to make big plays as well. They got to come up with takeaways. They got to make critical stops. Our defense cannot do that. We haven't been able to do that in a long time. So despite our needs on offense, we're gonna keep swinging at that defense as long as we have a quarterback because those are the two most important things. And we have the one piece. We've had that piece for a long time. Gutekunst isn't messing around anymore. So Eric, I hope I exemplified your point well enough because we're gonna take a break and then move on i'm alex rodriguez and i'm jason kelly from bloomberg this is the deal each week you're here in conversation with business icons this show will explore deal making across sports media and entertainment that is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is and not uh, as simple you know, I, as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened so, up so many more doors. The show is called The, the deal. deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. So I've seen, a, I've seen and heard on podcasts people kind of gushing about the Bears draft. Not everybody. Um, and I'm, I'm trying to 
be as unbiased as I possibly can. I've, I've said openly, I really, really like David Montgomery, and I hate that he went to the Bears, and I do think they got a good starter there. But the reason why I feel comfortable not taking a lot of time is because there's really nobody else to talk about. David Montgomery is going to be their starting running back. I believe that very confidently, and I think he's going to be a good runner of the football. It's kind of weird to me because I don't see him as a really good receiving uh, running back. He's a very good runner, and I kind of feel like they had that. And I don't, I don't know. I, there's no question there. If they don't use him as a receiver, then I'm completely confused because they got rid of, of uh, Howard because he was just a runner. Right, he didn't fit into that mold. You know, prior to last season, they put him on the jugs machines. Like, you got to be able to catch a football. You have to be a versatile, well-rounded running back or we can't use you. It didn't really pan out, so they moved on. And, and then they get David Montgomery, who I just I just see as a guy that's just a really good runner. But we'll, we'll see. We'll see. That was just what stood out to me as, as being the top thing. But there's no question the Bears are going to want to be able to use him in other ways. And I think he's going to be good. But the question is, you know, you, you look at the Bears and... You know, I just I just talked about how the Packers need to get better and how they did get better in a lot of areas that they need to get better. What did the Bears do to go from being a playoff team to a Super Bowl caliber team? I mean, through the, throughout this entire offseason process, what did they do? I don't know that they even upgraded their running back. I like David Montgomery a lot, but how, going from Jordan Howard to Montgomery, what, what have they done? Their offensive line is not better. They still have a bad quarterback. They, you know, they added several wide receivers. I don't think any of them start. Maybe Gabriel loses his job to somebody, but, you know, Gabriel's their speed guy. Robinson's not going anywhere, and, and Miller was their second-round pick last year, the slot guy. He's not going anywhere. The, the Bears fans were gushing over how great he had, like, that one good catch that was only seen as was the weirdest thing ever. It seemed like a good catch because there was somebody right there. That would technically make it a good throw, right? If there was nobody standing there, it's just a normal catch. Whatever. Bottom line is that happened, like, week one or two or whatever it was, and they were all gushing about him, and then he ended the season as sort of a mediocre wide receiver as did the rest of their overpaid wide receivers, but th- that's going to be the group. So it's the same boring offense that now defenses have had an entire offseason to learn about because Matt Nagy had his, uh, his, his first year where he was able to throw some crazy stuff at it. Uh, the, the Packers and the Vikings and the Lions and the rest of the NFL have had a chance to see Trubisky in this new offense with all these wide receivers and everybody else, and it is what it is. Could it get a little bit better? Sure. But it's only getting better if we make assumptions. Robinson's not going to get better. Gabriel's not going to get better. This offensive line has been here for a while. Maybe Daniels, James Daniels, the left guard, could presumably get a little bit better. But again, we're talking macro. We're talking Super Bowl. Is James Daniels getting better? And and the only way this team is really going to get better is if Trubisky suddenly becomes a great quarterback. It is possible. Again, according to PFF, he actually regressed. He was the 33rd best quarterback out of 32, by the way, in the NFL. Now, maybe it was the scheme, maybe it was the change of, of, you know, head coach, offensive coordinator change, scheme change, and it's going to take him a year, and now that he's got a year under his belt, right, but these are the same excuses everybody, including Packer fans, use for everybody. Well, Kevin King's been injured, he's going to be great, okay, sure. Well, you know, new scheme, Josh Jackson, you know, he had to change, but he's going to be great, okay, fine. James Jones, oh boy, I was I was the guy doing that for James Jones, lad, just wait, he's going to have a good year this year, nope. You can't just assume guys are just going to break out. Some guys just don't break out. Mitch Trubisky wasn't the only quarterback taken in that draft class. There's several guys that were taken in that draft that are playing football and are doing it pretty well. Mitch Trubisky, who was the first one to be taken, the Bears traded up to get, not doing so good. Two years of pretty, I mean, I don't know. Packer fans are happy about it. I know that. 
Then again, you look at the defense, and I don't think it got better. What did they add? Well, they let's go through the draft class here. They got two corners. That's it. Now, it was funny because I heard, I was listening to the, uh, uh, i got to get this right, uh, the Bear Report. It's the overtime, um, overtime podcast Bears. I don't know how to say the sentence. It's the Bears podcast on this network. It's a very good podcast, by the way. But they were talking about how the Bears really wanted to get cornerbacks, and I was confused by that. Well, now they have Buster Screen, who's not very good. I'm guessing they're not super high. I mean, I'm looking at it going, dude, Fuller and Amukamura were solid. But Bears fans, again, you listen to the podcast, you listen to whatever, and it's like, yeah, we need corners. Like, okay. Here's the thing. Kyle Fuller, Prince Amukamura, and Buster Screen are probably going to be the starters. Maybe somebody comes in and takes Buster's spot. But, I mean, they paid him to come in and play. And we're talking about a 6th and 7th round guy. Duke Shelley and Stefan Denmark out of Valdosta State. Kansas State and Valdosta State. So, again, probably going to have the same corners. What else did they take? Another wide receiver. He is obsessed, beyond obsessed, beyond obsessed with wide receivers. He got Riley Ridley, who I don't think was very good. He went in the 4th round, kind of where he was seen as going. And again, he's not going to crack a a, a spot here. And if he does, it doesn't speak very highly for the Bears' overall wide receiver group, which, you know, is not very good. I mean, again, where's he going to play? They also added Cordero Patterson, let's not forget. So Allen Robinson, Taylor Gabriel, Cordero Patterson are guys that they're paying. These are all free agent acquisitions, so you're paying decent money for these guys. And then you invest a second-round pick last year in Anthony Miller. I think it was a second-round pick. I keep saying that. I hope I'm correct. I'm almost positive. I don't know. So these are big investments, and you're telling me fourth-round pick Riley Ridley is going to steal the job away from one of these guys? I don't think so. I'm not saying he's never going to see the field, but he's he's down the depth chart. And that's assuming he beats out everybody. Javon Wims, uh, Wims Thomas Ives, Emmanuel Hall, Cyril Grace, Cyril Grayson, Tanner Gentry, uh, Jordan William Lambert, whatever. Lots of names. Probably a lot of these guys aren't even going to make the team, but still. So we drafted Riley Ridley, who's not going to see the field very much. We got Duke Shelley and Stefan Denmark, who are not going to see the field. And we also have another running back, because why not, Kareth White Jr. Outside of David Montgomery, they've done zero things to help this team. Which, granted, it's nearly impossible to do when you don't have any draft picks. But that's your fault! You traded away all your picks. You decided to go all in when you have a first-year head coach and a quarterback that can't get his stuff together. You made those decisions. You decided that all you need is is Khalil Mack and you'll be fine. You decided to trade away additional picks to go up and get David Montgomery. So now you're stuck with a, you know a third, a fourth, a sixth, and two sevenths. In your fourth round, you, you know your third and fourth, so you have two opportunities really to add talent because six, seven, seven is probably not going to do anything for you. You invested in a running back and a wide receiver. Running back's probably going to start. The wide receiver will not because you're stacked with depth at wide receiver, even if it's mediocre to slightly not very good slash garbage wide receivers. You, Ryan Pace, GM of the century, made these horrible decisions. You're the one who's tanking this team. You're the one who went out and got a brand new head coach and decided this is the year we're going all in. It's all or nothing on on Nagy's first year because next year we start the process of falling apart because we don't have any picks and we don't have any money to get free agents. So we're going to be losing players and we lose our defensive coordinator and we lost all our draft picks. And by the way, this doesn't get a whole lot better going forward. Your team is still very expensive. I mean, at this point in time, Right now, without signing back any free agents, all your free agents are assumed gone, you have $12 million. Now, I know you can play with the numbers, 
but you owe $26.6 million to Khalil Mack. $17.5 million to Kyle Fuller. $15 million to Allen Robinson. 11.8 to Keem Hicks. 10.8 to Eddie Goldman. 9.6 to Kyle Long. Prince of Mukamura, $9 million. Are you going to move on from him? Wouldn't be super surprised, but then what are you going to do at corner? Maybe that's why you invested in corner, except for the fact that none of those guys are actually going to be starters, because who cares? Sixth round, seventh round, I don't think so. Beyond that, look at next year. You don't have a first-round pick again. Now, you've got two second-round picks. That's cool. Hopefully, for your sake, Oakland doesn't have a run and and start doing really, really well, because that's where you have a a second and a fifth-round pick. But you don't have a first-round pick. You don't have a third-round pick. You don't have a fourth-round pick. You have two seconds, three-fifths, a sixth, and a seventh. Again, you did that. No first, no third, no fourth. But hey, GM of the century, right? And I listen, they, they have what they need if they can get this quarterback to just be a little bit better. They have a good enough defense, but even that I don't know anymore. We all have to make assumptions, and if this was a Bears podcast, I would be looking at this from the more positive uh, perspective. The easiest and most positive way to look at this is to say, well, all we really need is Trubisky to step up because we have good enough wide receivers. We have good enough running backs, assuming Montgomery can step in. But even so, we got Tariq Cohen. We have a good enough offensive line. And assuming our our defense doesn't regress too much, we still have maybe the top defense in the NFL. We had easily the top defense last year. As, As long as we don't fall off a cliff, we could easily have a top five defense. And with a better quarterback, with Nagy's scheme looking real good and all this different stuff, I mean, we could have a, a you know top 15, close to top 10 offense and, a, and the number one top five defense, maybe. But the point I'm making here is less about they're you know saying that they're not going to be a playoff team because I'm not saying that, and more about the fact that this is a team in decline and this this GM doesn't seem to mind, right? He's he's making all the big moves that everyone gets all enamored with, but you're you're hollowing out what actually matters. Your draft class was garbage, and I'm not going to give you the credit and say, well, it's not his fault because he didn't have any high picks. Yeah, that is his fault. This garbage draft class is his doing from start to finish, getting zero. What what value did he get in the first round compared to the Packers? What value did he get in the second round compared to the Packers? Look at the Packers' value compared to the Bears' value. I mean, suddenly Khalil Mack doesn't look all that enticing to me. If we had to trade, I mean... Imagine saying, let's trade draft classes. You get the Bears draft picks and the Bears get the Packers draft picks, but we get Khalil Mack. I don't want it. I just don't. And we have to pay the guy $26 million? I'm sorry. I don't know why Gutekunst was even considering that. No. Because if we get Khalil Mack, by the way, we not only lose all our draft picks and get like a running back, we got to get rid of, of uh, Zadarius and Preston and probably Amos. We can't afford any of these guys. we got to pay this guy $26 million. We can't afford any of that. Khalil Mack was an atomic bomb that would have just ruined this team. And for what? I mean, he's awesome. Great. Best pass rusher. Wonderful. Awesome. Fantastic. Round of applause. Don't want him. No thank you. Keep, you know, yucking it up over there, Bears fans. Enjoy it. Because you basically just got a year older. as it, you know, it, it, It's sort of that old adage, if you're not getting better, you're getting worse. If you're not moving forward, you're moving backwards. The Bears are moving backwards. If for no other reason, then they're just staying the same. And I don't think they are. I think they're getting a little worse. So again, this was easy to do because they basically just added a running back. And that is the official time to get rolling dance party. But I, I, that's, that's my thought on the Bears. Now, that, 
well, I don't, I don't want to talk in circles. If certain things, especially because there's so much room to grow at the quarterback position, this team could be heads and tails better than last year. All it's going to take is for Trubisky to just suddenly be like a, a top 15 quarterback. I'm not even talking about elite. I don't. I'm not talking about Aaron Rodgers. I'm not even talking about top five, top ten. Just, just mediocre, 16th best quarterback. You know, if he if he can just be, I don't know, Dak Prescott, go out and be, you know, Matt Stafford, Derek Carr. Jeez, I mean, if he if he could just be Nick Foles, it'd be you know I'd be a little bit worried. <laughs> and apparently I lied because I'm I'm looking at I don't know how this I'm looking at the list of quarterbacks and I didn't see him at at 33. It's because he's at 42. Oh, is his passing grade? He was the 42nd best passer in the NFL. Not his overall grade because uh, Mr. Trubisky apparently had an elite running grade, one of the best runners, maybe the best in the NFL. So congrats on that, Bears fans, by the way. Really, really awesome. Um, horrific fumbling grade and, um, you know, not 42nd best passer in the NFL. Just ahead of Chad Henney, just a hair behind Mike Glennon. So best of luck with that, folks. Again, Ryan Pace is, in fact, a genius. Traded up for this guy. Traded away his entire draft class and all his money for uh, Khalil Mack and all. Um, I'm enamored with Ryan Pace. I think he's fantastic. I hope he never leaves Chicago. Anyways, I'm going to go to work. I hope you folks have the best Friday of your entire life. And I will talk to you tomorrow. Have a good one. Bye.